0: Welcome to the true north nutrition podcast your personal guide to nutrition training and mindset on the journey to transform your body I'm your host Joe Paul. Let's get on with the show All right, guys, welcome back. Today, I have an awesome guest, Zach Gallat. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. And uh, we've fortunately been able to stay connected just through all things social media, even though we've both kind of moved abroad. We're both spread out through the US. And uh, Zach, I know you're moving around a little bit more than I am and definitely traveling a little bit. So we definitely get on the same wavelength there. But a couple of reasons why I wanted to bring Zach on the show today. And that is because he has a a view and value that truly, truly shows through leadership and coaching. And it doesn't just, it starts with the leadership and coaching and it goes into not only the physical side, but also the personal side. We had a great little conversation before we hit record and, uh, he's already geared up and excited to share more on that. So that is my intro, Zach, but please tell everyone a little bit more about yourself.
1: Absolutely, appreciate you having me on, Joe. Um, My name is Zach Gallitz, like Joe said. uh, We were good friends way back when, Uh, shout out West Bend, Wisconsin. Uh, Anybody who's listening from there, you know both of us most likely. Uh, We went to the same high school and uh, after high school, I went went to school over at uh, UW Madison, Proud Badger. Um, and then from there, I actually took a job in DC, lived in the DC metro area, um, Old Town Alexandria to be specific for about five years. And uh, my fiance, Brittany Manning and I, who also went to high school with us, um, we, we actually moved from DC out to the Charlottesville area in a little town in uh, the mountain area of Virginia, central Virginia called Crozet. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a quick intro. We got a couple of golden retrievers. Uh, my life pretty much consists of, uh, you know, working from home, running every day, coaching, running, uh, spending time at the dog park and hiking and doing all things outdoors and uh, just just loving life.
0: right, man. I think that's a great place to start because uh, even though we've been friends for such a long time, it's kind of funny how this like it almost was like a second wind of understanding a little bit. And I started like reading more about what you were posting about and uh, just like your pictures, because I know that you're very into sharing your traveling, your pictures and like just being outdoors. So did you have like a certain time where that just started to become a priority, something you really valued?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll do a kind of a random shout out. Uh, I made a couple of friends when I was a student at Madison. Um, name, names are Brock and Jazz, a cool couple who now live in Seattle, who lived in Madison down the road from us. And they actually lived in the, in the same house as us on Mifflin Street. Uh, they were a floor above us and they were just always so gung-ho about travel, like big picture travel. Get out of the country for months, like go different countries and um, some of the, some sharing, some of those experiences, talking about them just got me like super hyped on the idea of like, I could go wherever I want to, I could, you know, I could kind of shape my life how I want to, but the big thing that happened was when we moved out to DC, um, I pretty much approached Brittany and I said, Hey, uh, I got this one job off right after graduation we could just pick it up and go but if we're gonna do it it's got to be in two weeks um and so that's like a very short time period for someone to be like oh i'm just gonna pack up everything i'm doing right now and go uh but luckily she was actually working projects that had her remote flying around to different cities um and doing kind of contract work so it was like sure let's do it um so a big thing that I kind of we've both balanced our lives on is just not being afraid to take that step into the unknown just kind of step out into the void and if it doesn't work you just you can head back home right so that was where the travel thing started. We we moved out to DC. Uh, the job that I had with the clothing company, Life is Good, basically allowed there to be a, a week on of work, a week off of work, just flopping back and forth. And with that much kind of block time, instead of the standard nine to five, Monday through Friday, for both of us, um, it just made sense. Like, let's go to Costa Rica, let's go to Ireland, let's check out Iceland, and just do these, you know, have fun and, you know, pick up a camera and fool around with it and all of that good stuff. So that was kind of how it went. And uh, at that point, we didn't, have a dog yet? We didn't have anything that kind of made it difficult to go. So, you know, a big city like DC, you can jump across the ocean pretty easily and pretty affordably. So it was like, let's let's just keep moving and, and doing it, um, which has slowed down a bit. We do a little bit more local driving trips and things like that. But you know, with Corona, you know, everything going on, COVID right now, nobody's nobody's doing that kind of stuff anyway. So we're hoping to get back to it eventually.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. But it's I feel like it's also probably been a nice opportunity. Like when you have. Like, obviously, it's really, really fun to go abroad. Like, there's so much fun and adventure in that. But also, (laughs) it's funny because the dog, like, you know, like the dog parents thing, it's so real. And I feel like more of a more millennials can relate to that than ever right now. But uh, we feel the same way. And we do a lot of local travel just because of our dog. Sometimes we bring her with and uh, but it really it makes it a lot of fun. And especially right now when you're just like, and you know, so much, so much crisis in the world that like, if we can, if we can just absorb as much of this time with, you know, family and for us, you know, dogs, then Hey, why not? Right. Dogs, dogs are family too, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So awesome. Well, tell me a little bit now. So we've got a little bit picture of the travel and it started when you were at school, you had your friends there that sort of helped inspire that where does So like, it was always soccer i knew that was always a big passion for you and i knew running a little bit where does running come into the picture for you and like how it sticks around now
1: yeah yeah that's that's great yeah so i I played soccer um basketball a couple of other sports um in high school i I only played soccer um in terms of you know actually playing in the season um but you know played pickup basketball and and pretty much anything i get my hands on or whatever the guys wanted to do um we were there for it uh but really what happened was running was always the punishment sports, right? Like you screw up even in soccer, you're you're running suicides and on a soccer field, that's a big field. Um, So (laughs) running becomes kind of a a punishment sort of thing. But also I noticed even when I was playing uh, central center midfielder, you're running a lot. Like in a center midfielder in a game, even in high school, you're putting on several miles every game um, just in terms of your movement back and forth. Um, And I realized how quickly you could make significant gains in that sport if you put in the time to develop your cardio fitness. So, I mean, I, I would run a lot of five K's, nothing really exceeding like four miles, probably. Um, and, and just here and there, especially in the off season, it was like, I can't go back to tryouts starting this, you know, this season totally out of shape cardio wise, or it's just going to kill me during tryouts. So, um, that kind of developed into enjoying running a little bit more than as punishment because I saw tangible gains from it in the sport, um, When I moved to Madison and started that, you know, the pressure on you at a school that is intensive like that with your classes, I needed an outlet, Um, and also being a college student, just like super broke, like I didn't have have a a ton of stuff that I could do, and also didn't, you know, didn't have a car on campus or anything to go see more of the city I was living in, Um, and. Anybody who's been to Madison, Wisconsin knows there's just like a stellar trail system around that city. So it was an awesome way for me to be able to just like get around, see things even in the middle of winter. Just go on it. You go out and get a couple of miles on the lakeshore path and it's just a beautiful place to be. So that that kind of is like where the, the ethos of my running it kind of started, I would say, is like exams coming stressed out. If I can get a couple of miles in this weekend and, and just like get my head away from the things that are stressing me out. And not just be you know drinking beers about it (laughs) i'm gonna have a better time uh and so that that was kind of where it it grew a bit um and then yeah after that you know when i moved out to dc it became much more of like a a habit was becoming uh, you know formed that i felt awesome just going out even nighttime runs um we lived in a little area called national harbor maryland and there's this great bridge huge bridge that goes across to the virginia side so you have maryland virginia dc at the top but across this um, Woodrow Wilson bridge, that's about a mile and a half long. At the top of it, you can see all of downtown DC and the mall and everything all lit up. So I would do night runs there. It was just awesome, like super quiet, a nice way to get away from it. But that became like a, if I ran from my apartment to this point in the bridge, it was a 5K, and then it was four, then it was five, and could I do a 10K? And it just became this like out and back distance, got bigger and bigger um, and realized like, whoa, I can I can go further. You know, I didn't think I could, but I'm, I'm all of a sudden just going further. Um, and that that was, really where the long distance running kind of stuff started to sink its teeth in um, and become more of a lifestyle habit.
0: So two questions. The first is I've, I've always done this with running. I think it's so fun. So like, first off, I'm not much of a runner. Like you and I connected probably like a year, maybe two ago when I just started getting into it a little bit more. And I just always think it's funny because every time I ran, it was like, there was, there was purpose in it, so it like there's no stopping in the middle of a bridge to look at anything. So was that like, do you have those times where you're like, no, nope, I'm just running, I'm just going to go there, take a look, hang out, breathe, take in the sights, and then come back? Or is it usually like, oh, that's kind of where it started and now it's mostly intervals still, trials, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, it, that's a good question, for sure. I You know, running is something that, I'll say when I started running, it was like uh, Spotify used to have these playlist i run with like wireless headset your buds whatever and it had have these playlists that they don't have anymore I don't think but you could set it to the beats per minute um and it would just be like a beat that would just be kind of going throughout the run and that motivation of like the beat building up and in the I could just get lost in like the music part of it and then before I knew it like snap my fingers oh three miles is done it didn't need a view I had music I had something else to distract me um, and most of falling in love with running, I think, had to have some sort of distraction to be like, wow, you know, breathing really hard. This sucks. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> this is really hard. Like running is hard and it's hard on your body and you go through a lot of growing pains when you start running, uh, which is a, an invaluable part of having a coach, someone to kind of work you through some of those growing pains. Um, because it, it's a, even people who are amazing at running, who who truly do love running, it's still a love hate relationship. And I truly think anybody who says otherwise is like kind of waxing poetic a little much. You, everybody has bad runs. Everybody has days where they're like, I just don't want to do this. It's Raining It's cold. I've got other things going on. Um, but ultimately I would say that I don't, I, I didn't need a view. It certainly helped like getting into DC, being able to just jump in the car if I wanted to and drive and see like all the monuments, drive to Georgetown, run next to the Potomac, go to the great national parks that are within a short drive's distance, having the variety. Again, I think running is the best way to truly learn the city or the area you're living in. You see everything at that slower pace. You have a lot more time to notice things, hear things, see things, realize what kinds of people are around you, and and really like soak it in. And it's all about that habit. So I mean, I would go for a run like through the Arlington National Cemetery and then cross the bridge and be on the downtown mall, stop at the Jefferson Memorial, run around, you know, when you have routes like that, it's like, oh, I'm looking forward to the weekend long run because there's a lot of stuff I'm going to see. And also time away from the phone. Like I would, I would leave the phone and wouldn't take pictures of the run, anything else. It was time for me. It was just me to learn my area, me to check out mentally and just have that, that moment. And it used to be like podcasts, audio books, different music, um, but for the last few years, like no music, no distractions. I want to, I want to hear everything that's actually going on around me Hear my feet hitting the ground, um, and really get into the mindfulness space a little more.
0: That's awesome. I think that i definitely value that time where it's, when I have been running, where it's, there is no music, nothing like that. Yes. It's cool that I have the, the beats going. And of course, like, you know, you're, you feel maybe more productive listening to a pro- podcast or something like that. But, uh, I'm a huge into the breath work side of working out like anyone, like all my clients who get any sort of training like tips or I should say instruction, they're going to get some sort of breath work instruction with it to make sure that's right. And I always found that when I ran without any of those distractions, it was just so much, so much more effective. I feel like the training that I got in the first month of not listening to anything while I ran was like all, the, <laughs> it was significantly better than all the training that had preceded it.
1: Yeah, you're way more, I mean, it's something that I, it's hard, it's a very hard thing and you know, it's everybody has their own preferences and I'm always trying to be positive and supportive of whatever people. I want to meet them where they're at from a coaching standpoint, but even like peer to peer, like people that I really enjoy running with. If it's a social run, a lot of times we'll have, you know, conversations. So there's no reason to have headphones or something else. But I know a a good handful of folks that I run with, if they're on their own, they're going to pop in some, you know, banger playlists and like get super pumped up, which is awesome. Um, If it gets you to put the shoes on and go outside and be consistent and get miles in and develop um, and see yourself as an athlete, and be proud of the accomplishments you make along the way. I'm like all for it. I'm never going to try and talk it down or be negative on it, of course. But at the same rate, um, if you go to any kind of run coaching courses or, or really look into like how to get more serious about your running, nine times out of 10 people are going to give you that advice or experience share that you really should try to at least go a couple times a week without any distractions because you're going to notice so much more about what your body's doing you're going to be more in tune with you know, how your feet are hitting the ground like every bit of like if you're feeling pain here or there where the fatigue is coming from how is my breath um and that's something that from a coaching standpoint i try to have that explanation early on when i work with clients because you know it's, it's one like when running comes from the place of punishment we want to use it as any kind of distraction to make it less of a punishment to try to find a way to enjoy it um, without realizing you can really enjoy it by just slowing down your running so that you're not working so hard and breathing so hard and feeling discomfort um, so a lot of where i coach from is spending way more time in an aerobic heart rate zone at a conversation pace if you can talk like you and i are right now but we would just happen to be running that's the pace everybody should start out running at for quite a while before they start
0: to pick it up That's a great idea for the next episode. We'll just, uh, you know, (laughs) put some, pop some earbuds in and uh, go. No, that's, I love that meeting meeting where they're at, I think is such an important thing that's undervalued in, in coaching space. It's so easy to get dogmatic with coaching, right? Like I, I, we, I think we've all experienced it, whether uh, you know, it's come from ourselves and like, I know for myself, when I start feeling that way, it's like, all right, cool. Just like detach for a second, almost like you were saying before just about the mindfulness of running is like, okay, unplug for a second, detach, kind of find out what's going on with this person in terms of like the actual art of coaching them. So, um, yeah, I I love that. I love that approach. And one thing I wanted to ask you about is because most of my listeners are going to be coming from a general like strength training or CrossFit space. So one, have you ever done CrossFit before Zach?
1: I have not. I admittedly, I have not. And it's something that I saw over the course of my time being in DC, it was like all the trails that I run and cycle on, it would be like, Whoa, like running through the woods in a neighborhood for a while. And there's like a cool looking like warehouse with big garage doors open. I'm like, damn, people are just like getting after it at these pop-up gyms, like these CrossFit gyms are popping up everywhere. Um, So I'm I'm very aware of it. I have a a good uh, group of friends who do it and really love it and enjoy it. But, I mean you've known me forever i'm not the uh i'm not the huge guy uh, up top i'm an endurance guy for sure but i should i should give it a try um, because i can't speak you know to it directly a lot but i do the only exposure i truly have is working with people who are in that space for the running component of it so like i hear about mm. crossfit through that lens um and it sounds great like it sounds awesome it sounds like a really motivated tight-knit community and people who are like really busting their asses frankly like <laughs> really wanting to make like substantial gains and work hard, which, um, you know, it does not to dog on any other sort of athletics, but it seems that that is a very passionate culture, which I can completely respect and get behind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it truly is. And it's funny because in, especially in like Milwaukee, there's a a really, so at the gym that I used to coach at, it was a very heavy, like triathlete space. And so we'd get a lot of endurance athletes in that respect and they would do it for you know, like off-season strength training or, you know, kind of bulletproofing uh, during their run season. So they kind of have a a little bit of a different training schedule versus like a general population, you know, anyone who's doing CrossFit for fun.
1: Absolutely. And real quick aside on that, this is Badger, Badger CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. So I forget the guy's name, but the owner of Badger CrossFit either is a member of the organization I work for in the Wisconsin chapter or applied to be a member of it. I remember seeing the application come through when I was working in the central region and not in the West Coast. And I was like, hey, that's the same. You know, Joe's at that. He's, he's been working at that spot. So that's kind of cool, small world thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. That is awesome. So, um, yeah, the small world. It, that's crazy, man. Um, but so, st- like those triathletes that are doing CrossFit, they, they usually find what I thought was fascinating is just like <laughs> I'm always, every time I was coaching them, I was like, All right, we got to go a little bit heavier. We got to go a little bit heavier and we got to move, you know, like less reps, heavier weight because you're always doing the cyclical work. Like they're going to, they're always going to be able to do, you know, workouts that are 15, 20, 25 minutes long as good or better than anyone else in the gym. But trying to tell them to slow down and move a little bit heavier weight what's your experience with strength training been, you know, in, in your coaching or your individual experience?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll try and summarize it real quickly. It's not a, yeah. it's not a super long detailed history <laughs> for me personally. Um, but you know, back in way back, I mean, as early as I 15 years old, um, I would go to the YMCA with Anton and, and some other folks. And we, you know, we'd lift uh, quite often like like mean, six days a week, a lot of the time. Um, and I would, I was playing basketball a lot and also like running and playing soccer and it would be like build up gains, burn them off, (laughs) burn them off. So it was like, I I never really like was able to put on any kind of mass or anything. And actually, I I don't know that I needed to for the kinds of goals that I had or the things that I was trying to do on the soccer field probably would have helped if I could have held on to some of the mass, but I I wasn't, (laughs) I probably at that point wasn't eating the way I needed to be eating or that enough uh, eating enough that I should have been putting on any mass, Um, you know, a a little extra science in there about metabolism and other things like that too. It's just the, the, family hereditary stuff. I've got to, I, I know we don't have many big muscular people in my family. So it just kind of was like, all right, well, I'm realizing I'm better at this thing or getting results from this part of athleticism. I is on a roll that way. So that kind of took me through high school, um, kind of stopped lifting with any kind of regularity, probably like junior into senior year. Um, and then in college I'd go once in a while after playing pickup ball, like three times a week with some buddies in Madison. Um, Now, actually, we have an awesome home gym downstairs and I I lift like way more than I ever did before, but it became more of a thing again for me when I started connecting the dots on making the next jumps in the faster, uh, short distance events in running. So I I recommend to anybody who's running at all, if you start running, you should really be focusing on uh, mobility work, you know, hip mobility routines. And there's a blurry line there, I guess, between what's truly strength training and what's more like cross-functional training and just mobility work, Uh, but strength training, for long distance runners who are taking it really serious, it's gonna look quite different than cross training, right? You're just matching where your goals are at and kind of adjusting those sliders. Um, but strength training has a really important piece in remaining injury free. So for running, our biggest hurdle is people get overexcited early on, they put on too many miles too quickly, they start breaking down knees and hips and ankles and you know all that kind of muscular skeletal stuff. Where strength training can offer a really awesome component of being able to work on that joint health and those types of things to then be able to maintain going out for even a three mile run, which could involve, you know, 10 to 15,000 steps of hard, you know, pounding on your joints. If you're running on concrete or even on a soft surface. So, um, it definitely has its place for sure in the run space for me personally, where it started to become more important again, um, is core work. You need to have a strong core to be able to run fast distance, uh, track work. Um, so when I started doing more speed sessions with my training partner, uh, his name is Joe Pfeiffer. He still lives in the DC area. Um, he ran at uh, Penn state in the 800 meter distance. So that was like such a crucial component of his training. He kind of showed me, Hey, like, if you want to get more serious, you want to shave time off of this, you want to qualify for Boston in the marathon. Like you're going to have to start doing core. You're going to start lifting some weights, You're going to start doing some of the stuff that you're not used to doing because your body needs to have that strength to be able to have that explosiveness to maintain that kind of speed. Um, so that's when interval training and strength training started to be married to just pure aerobic mileage that I was putting in before that.
0: So taking that example from the, your, your training partner where he was training. So Penn state 800 meter run that he was like straight sprints. And so now he's sort of transitioning into that longer style. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yep. He was, yeah. (laughs) Joe's a great guy. Um, he, he's got an interesting outlook on running. Um, but when we met, we met playing basketball at a local gym that was across the street from our uh, place that we just moved from actually. And, uh, you, you play basketball with this guy a couple times and you're like, I may have never played basketball with someone as fast as this guy. Like he comes off the block on rebounds and he's gone. Like if he grabs a rebound, no one is catching him. He'll take off and he's got a layup every time. And everyone in the gym knows it. Um, so <laughs> you know, as a runner, I get there. And after a couple times playing with him, it, we probably actually played for a couple months before I was like, Hey, yeah. You know, you, and he actually asked me if I want to come for a run, went up for a run with him and we, we banged out like five miles at like a 620 pace. And I was dying. Like I, was like, <laughs> I was struggling to to keep with him, but wanted to also like, yeah, yeah, man, I'm good, I'm good, but I'm just yeah. suffering. Um, but you know, it, since then we've run, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of miles together since hit the track every week, you know, for about a year and a half, probably. Um, he taught me a lot about stuff that I wouldn't have probably found out enough on my own or, or had the commitment to go and and really push far into that pain cave of speed work. Um, but it's blown up my, my ability to run all different distances and it's made me a way stronger runner. Um, but yeah, he went 800 meter and then that transition for him, I think after he graduated, he got a job at the FAA in DC, and then he started doing marathons just because he wanted the next challenge. And, um, we talked to actually a lot of track runners, a lot of collegiate athletes, they do get burnt out on the sport. It's a very, it's a very hard sport to stay competitive at for as long as you need to through college. A lot of them will hang up the the spikes after they're done. Um, they'll run once in a while, but otherwise, it's not really. but he he wanted that he could just structure, I think. So it was marathons became a thing. His uh, coaches from college would push him to go do marathons. Um, and yeah, he ran he ran like a two thirty six or something and walked some of the time. um, you know, in his debut, it was just like, oh,, you know, this is fun. this is this hurts, but I'm really good at it. Um, so it kind of stuck, which was nice because I had someone that was always better than me by a significant margin to to keep working me upwards.
0: So that's like, that, that's true training partner style, which is awesome because I mean, you know, of course, training partners are always like a valuable thing. Again, I'm going to take that, that view from the CrossFit side. Now, most people there, you kind of have like a training partner or a class, like train around what for you has been the value in having, having that training partner, just in terms of like your growth as a runner or, or as a coach or both.
1: Yeah, it's been huge for growth. Um, I think, so I'll, I'll preface by saying, like, I, one of the coolest things to me about running and, and it makes it so universal and so, uh, you know, inclusive is that running is you versus you. Running is 100%. You, you can be a member of a running club or a running team and all that's good stuff. But at the end of the day, your training is really you versus you for most folks. Um, while that might seem lonely, a lot of times it's actually a place of empowerment. It's really awesome to be able to not have to compare yourself to anybody else. What I'll say from that point though, is that's how I viewed running for myself for years and years. And it was just something for me, my thing, my goals, and that's all that it mattered. I didn't need to share it with anybody and I was perfectly fine with that. But when I found a good training partner, it really opened the door to how much more there was in running that I wasn't really paying attention to that I wouldn't have shown myself. Um, and then it also doubles down on accountability for both of us. I mean. It's it's amazing that once you put a little distance in between us, so that you'll miss some workouts or whatever. But but when we were living right by each other, you weren't nobody's missing workouts. You might drag yourself to that workout and not look forward to it and suffer through it, but you'll be really glad you did at the end of it. Um, and and both would. So I think having a training partner in running is huge. Just to have someone that's an accountability coach for you know both directions, uh, somebody to kind of push when you're feeling down. They might be feeling a little bit up and give you some of that energy on a long run when it's 90 degrees out and humid in DC, you know, it, it it keeps you to be your best self because over the time you spend, I'm sure with CrossFit as well, when you know what your partner's abilities are in running, you know, if they're really not putting in the work that day and vice versa. Um, and you also develop the trust and respect with each other to call each other on it. Or likewise, on the other side of that, like praise each other and get hyped for each other. Um, and, and laugh at each other and just have that relationship. <laughs> a good quick anecdote is like Joe and I ran for two or three months on the track. And I was starting to get a little bit more foot speed, starting to get a little more turnover. And I said, Man, I would love to break the five-minute mile. Like I would love to put a four in front of my PR in the mile. It'd be awesome. Um, and he was very like, Oh, you could do it right now. You could do it right now. We'll do it right now. You know, he's pushing me, pushing me. I said, Dude, no way. We go a week later, and I you know, put on the, the track spikes and I'm ready to go. And I, I just went for it um, without a plan, without, a, you know, just go for it, <laughs> burn, burn yourself up. So coming through the third lap, just suffering, just absolutely suffering, not even knowing what my pace were. where I wasn't used to clocking my time every 200 or 400 meters on the track. Um, he didn't tell me where I was at. And I came through the finish line and he was like praising, like you killed it. That's amazing. But he also came up to me and was like, guess who your time was? And I was like, what? he's like five zero zero point one, like you, no. like, oh. but it, it was awesome because he had a yeah. like, like okay you were right i was that close to it now let's get to work and and make it happen where i wouldn't have gone and done an all-out hard mile on the track by myself that would never have happened um and then i opened a whole new part of my running up you know so that kind of stuff is where a partner just becomes hugely important to like breaking through any plateaus you're feeling
0: so okay did you hit the sub five mark now yeah yep right on that that's so i I love that story man that's good like point one but it it is a story where it's like you know obviously my my reaction was like oh man like so close but like like you said the context is important there right like you had no idea like it was not it wasn't on the radar you know and then it did yeah for sure yeah i love that um and I, i one thing to to speak to training partners and shout out to, uh, Brandon, who, uh, was one of my training partners way back in the day with CrossFit. And, um, that was a few years ago, but I feel like as you, you, you continue to train with someone too, you develop uh, that rhythm so that like the accountability side of it, it it becomes a little bit easier. And so like those, those kind of, you, you did a good people can't really see this, but you do a good like pantomime with your hands of like yeah. <laughs> basically like keeping each other tight together and how that rhythm develops. So like if you're listening to this and you don't have a training partner, you don't have a running partner, one, obviously it's a challenging time to do it right right now, but it's definitely something that you can find value in and it takes time to develop. So um, don't feel like you're you're left out. You can still get a lot of gains without a partner, but maybe join some sort of accountability group i think that that's been really effective
1: yeah what what i'll say about that actually is um the running community is one of the most open and inviting communities out there if you think about yourself right now if you're listening to this you say oh well this is cool but i'm not a runner um i would make the argument that everybody's a runner we're all born to run humans are the most adapted to running species on the planet Um, and it doesn't matter very small percentage of the population has physical limitations that will actually stop them from running Um, and that's a different situation but most of us are able to run um, and if you join a local club, they're everywhere, you know, in the world, every, for sure everywhere in the U S, um, local clubs are an awesome way to like, find out where people are at, have that sense of community. And it's not about how fast you are. It's not about any of that. It's about show up when, when you have time to show up, come, come to the track, come do the long run on a Thursday or a Sunday or whatever they're doing it at. Um, and just high five people and be friendly and open and, and, you know, uh, example is, you know, Nova Run Club is one that we would run kind of at the same time on the track all the time in Alexandria. We we're there um, and that group is super tight knit and, and it's a great group. They 20, 30, 40 people or more, you know, twice a week get together. They become friends that the relationships last, they're going on runs all the time together. You're going to find who your training partner is or who your click is based on the times you run, what your goals are, all those types of things, just by putting the time in and putting yourself out there. Um, so I'll plug um, Roadrunners Club of America, RRCA. That's where my coaching certification is through. They're kind of the, the governing body of, of road running in the U.S. And they have clubs that you can find all over. Um, you just Google that. You type in find a run club near me. That's what's going to come up on Google as the first thing. And, and there's an awesome network of support there. So you can find that and then go out and just run the same routes. If you run them by yourself, you're going to see a lot of familiar faces. If you go at similar times a day. Um, I made friends in, in the area in Alexandria just by like running through on a hard day and just high fiving, you know, just, just <laughs> give people some positivity. And they you see each other a few times, you'll stop and chat with someone and you might make a friend. So um, it's a very open and inviting community. And there's a lot of different routes to find training partners, much like I'm sure you, you had to do at gym. You're going to see people at that gym and CrossFit enough times. You're going to start talking to people. You're going to find partners.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I love that too. I think that's like, it's sort of like a testament to just sort of the, just, just your general like demeanor too and, and your attitude towards this is like go out there high-fiving people and go past them, you know? Like everyone's invited, man. It's a party. It was, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. We had a, you know, Joe and I would do run around like popular running trails and areas in DC on a, like especially swampy hot days. Like DC gets v- super humid and hot, you know, six months a year, it's pretty hot for running. Um, but we'd go out on days where we knew it was going to be just a suffer fest. You know, the marathon training block would have like 18 miles, Um, at, you know, pretty good variation of paces, but we knew it was going to be hard work, but we'd go out there and have a competition, uh, you know, take bets on the over under of how many people would high five us back. If we led with like a strong high five coming up and it's pretty fun to see how many people like go from looking like they're just suffering, sweating it out to like big smile on their face and an ecstatic high five, you know, you just change both, both parties mood in the middle of a run and and get you through that next mile. So yeah, it's, it's fun. You got to do that kind of stuff. Otherwise running will start to feel like, Oh my God, I'm just out here busting my butt this is hard you know? yeah
0: yeah i mean i think that's like people too when they're in their like home gyms or you know training on their own or anything like that which again it is very common right now but you know you got to get into those groups to share videos or whatever or share wins share your logs and that sort of thing because i mean you know virtual fist pump can go a long way right now because uh, it's like you said like getting that that transition when you like you're in that pain cave or you, maybe you that person that you high fived on that run was like, ah, I wasn't going to run today, but like, I'll try it. Boom. that as soon as that high five happens, they're in there for the long run. They're like, wow, today was worth it. So uh, totally. That's a great example of it.
1: Yeah. The uh, if I last thing I'll say on this is like the uh, the community in the triathlon space and those sports endurance and, and even now it's building into strength and, and functional work and different stuff. Um, the app Strava is a good example of it, but you know Garmin connect Nike run club all these different things right. Um, these last couple of years in the US have been challenging in terms of the polarization and the negativity I think a lot of times social media can proliferate. Um, you know you can you can try to limit that amount that you see or that you get engaged with Or yeah I'm not going to argue with people on social media platforms and that, that's all good stuff. Well, when you go and do like a Strava or a Garmin or one of these apps, it's very hard to find like truly like people being negative or people being aggressive towards each other or the the you know the, the bad sides of us coming out. Where it's like instead of likes or whatever reactions, it's kudos. You know, people are fist bumping virtually, leaving comments like "Dude, awesome run, killing it," etc. Flame emoji like that. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of the spirit of those apps. And I think I spent a lot more time in the past year on Strava than I did on Instagram or Facebook or other platforms. And I just found myself happier for it. Just seeing people who are like me willing to go out and put miles in and better themselves and be positive to each other, which is awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I love that. And I love that that's been like an evolution of, of training for people too, is that there's like, it's like a little social media like gym or club or whatever that, you know, you're not gonna have people shit talking or, like you said, the polar polarizing conversations and that sort of thing. So
1: yeah, not everybody is a Joe Paul on on Facebook, and Instagram. <laughs> you know. Not everybody's out there like trying to better other people and being happy all the time. Um, so yeah, I always appreciate that about your post. I should preface with those apps, you do a good job of leaving it as a positive, we're building something type of feeling um, instead of putting something up that can be superficial or could be negative. So um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's all good stuff. Social media is a great tool right now. And I can't wait till COVID's done and we get back out on the trails and start to be communal again.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Is that something that's been like limited? Is it like you can't run in groups? Is it like the, the unofficial kind of thing or how's that working?
1: Yeah. You know, it's ebbed and flowed a little bit, I think over time. So, you know, the training partner wise, Joe and I, we will continue to to keep getting together for runs, come out for the weekend to go hit some trails in the mountains or whatever. Um, you know, even if it means like, let's go get a COVID test and make sure it's safe to do so beforehand. Um, I don't recommend it to people I'm coaching to go out and meet a club and start doing all this stuff right now, because right. I, I don't want to be putting in one that position or f- putting any kind of pressure that could be a liability for them. So I, I would say that right now as a whole in the running community, the only races you'll find that are going on out, at least where I'm living now, everything is extremely careful. The courses are, everybody's masked up until you're on the starting line. There's no big gun, gun goes off and the group goes out and runs. It's like you stagger 20 seconds, wait, next person goes like, so you're not trying to be close to anybody. And more often than not, everything's been canceled. Um, so most people spent 2020, I spent 2020 doing very little, if no racing or anything that's social in a group setting. Um, a lot more people out there leaning on those Stravas, those other kind of apps for accountability and for the positive vibes that you'd normally get from running in a run group. Some running groups have done workouts and stuff together, but six feet apart, you know, let's get together in a huddle, but six feet apart and talk about the workout. And then let's go to the workout, but small groups and, you know, So it is hard. Track running especially is hard. You're running in the same lane and that's dangerous in my opinion with COVID. If everyone is breathing within the wind stream that everybody's running into, it's (laughs) not not ideal, right? So there's even (laughs) ventilation outdoors. I think generally I see groups of two or three at most out running the streets out here or in DC. Most people have canceled the park runs and things like that that are larger groups.
0: Sure, sure. So one thing that I've heard you uh, talk about too a couple of times is like coaching certification for running and like you, you coaching others for running. So I'd like to just kind of dive into that a little bit. because I'm super curious, really the only like in CrossFit, it was like, there's, there's been like a couple of like cardio coaches. Uh, I'm trying to remember the, do you know who Chris Hinshaw is? Mm -hmm. Okay. So like, he was like the big CrossFit, like endurance guy forever. But anyways, it's been like his impact. Uh, Brian McKenzie is another one. And then like, pose running coaching and that's like, that's it, right? Like, so, um, for people listening out there, I'm, I would love to hear one, any, anything that you want to share on your coaching and certification experience, but also to like different methodologies. Cause I'm sure that there's so much more to it than you know, what I know.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, um, you know, running like I said, running is so kind of just fundamental as, as humans, we all were kids. We all ran around the playground, being able to run is something that is like one of the first things your body can do that. You're like, wow, I'm moving really fast. This is fun. Um, so it's, it's very like natural. Um, but what's interesting is we're actually better at the form of our running, the pace of our running, all those things. When we're a kid, even a toddler and a kid in elementary school, then we end up being as adults. We have all this ego and all this stuff about how fast we should be and all, all this stuff gets kind of like blurry and confusing. Um, and also our bodies change a lot. You know, you're, you're flexible and malleable when you're young, you get older, all of a sudden, you know, you're starting out running. I'm in my forties. Um, I'm worried my hips always been kind of bad. It's a very different situation to start running then. Um, so that's where I really think the benefit of coaching in the run space becomes so important, not, not in terms of age, but just in terms of like, I want to run, but I want to stay healthy and I want to be like meeting my goals. So whether your goals are weight loss or stress reduction or a race day goal for a time, or I just want social camaraderie. There's a million different reasons that people want to run. I truly think a coach will help you get there. I realized in my own goals and stuff that I could learn all day online by myself and find forums with different training plans. And that was a good start. It really got me like into it, um, but knew that I wanted something a little bit more constructive. um, And that's where the coaching space kind of comes in. So in terms of the certification, the RRCA, RRCA, level one certification, um, is not a super intensive course. I, I know, like when you go and become like a personal trainer, right. Or you know the ACE fitness or whatever one you pick. That's a very intensive, you get this huge textbook. There's like, it's a lot, right. Um, run coaching is detailed, but it's, it's just a really awesome program that you can go. They have different, um, two day, three day programs that you can go and get the certification if you pass the exam afterwards in person Um, and they walk you through the entire manual. Like they, everybody kind of holds each other's hands and works on this through it together. You do role playing and problem solving and plan building and you learn really the fundamentals you touch on the science of running um, and you really focus on what it means to be like a valuable coach. But even if you don't have interest in coaching, I highly recommend doing the RRCA core certification um, for your own running. Like you will learn so much about how to be more efficient in the time you spend in a cardio space. And it applies to cycling and to swimming and to anything else that could be considered a cardio activity. Uh, there's a lot of awesome aerobic science out there. It's actually, I think probably getting more popular than it's ever been before to really dig in and see like, what are humans really possible? Um, and this is also something that has so much longevity. I think if you're balancing your strength training and other things, um, running is something that is, can be forever. If you do it right, if you're treating your body right and a little bit of luck, you can run very late in life. Um, I was running a race actually in Alexandria, two Thanksgiving's go Turkey trot. And I was probably holding roughly a 5:40 per mile pace for a five miler. Um, I, I was coming off a marathon training block, so I was a little bit off the couch, but I was feeling good that day. It was really cold. So I was just zipping and last half mile dude just comes up on me and he's, he just zips right past me. And I was like, man, that guy, he looks like an older guy. He's kicking ass. So he, he beats me by a couple of seconds. And, you know, I say, oh, good race, man, whatever. And I was curious. So I looked on the race results. The dude is 71 years old. And I was just like, he did not look that, but he was 71 years old. He's hauling um, in a short distance race. And there's people who will do that, like into their late years or even just go and complete marathons at 90 years old, which is amazing. So in terms of investing in yourself, the certification is something I'd recommend because it's up to date. It's constantly moving with the science. This is people who spend, there's a whole organization, there, a whole nonprofit, I believe, that operates in the space of taking the latest science, applying it to the, the coursework, making sure that the coaches out there are updated on what is really, what should be being spread out there in the world of running. And maintenance, I think you asked about just kind of like things you learn from it, maybe things that are, that become more apparent afterwards, but aren't always like the most obvious thing before you do a certification like this biggest mistake I see, maybe it is, or isn't something in the CrossFit community as much, but I think in all forms of athletics, people are out there running too fast all the time. Like <laughs> people are out there always running too fast. And the hard thing about that is you're comparing yourself to what should be fast or what, what is, or isn't fast, but fast should be completely removed from the dialogue. It should be about your heart rate. Heart rate training is hundred percent of what we're talking about when we talk about cardio activity. Um, if you're going over the zone three aerobic heart rate range, where you're, burning fat most efficiently, you can sustain, you're not gonna build up so much waste product in your system that you start to fatigue to a point of hitting what we call the wall. Um, If You're staying underneath that lactate threshold and staying well below it in the aerobic space where you can talk, like I was saying, the way you and I are talking now, you can run a long time and it's much more sustainable and much better for your system. Um, And learning about aerobic efficiency and how to run slow to get fast is basically the biggest takeaway, I would say, um, comes from that. Building plans and periodized training and why long runs and speed work and strength training and cross training are all important components of a well-rounded run plan or run habit in a training cycle. Those that's really the bird's eye view, but I think the biggest takeaway is just how important it is to run slow. You gotta run slow. I mean, people got to get out there and go like, hey, I should shave up, you know, 90 second per mile pace off of what I've been running and just try it out. See how you feel afterwards. Everybody's chasing this runner's high. You don't get a runner's high from going out too fast and being exhausted. You get it when you finish a six mile run for the first time and you're feeling great. Um, So it's all about the slow running aerobic efficiency, building a higher ceiling aerobically.
0: If anyone out there has any doubt, I, try, <laughs> I came from the complete opposite side of this in the non-runner's point of view. And when I did start running more, that's, it's exactly what it was, was literally having, having a workout assigned to me that was run for, I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was like run for 36 minutes or something like that. It was something like a weird number like that. And I ended up running you know, right around four miles, just like a nine minute pace, which is for, for me, who I'm trying to run a 630 pace for my uh, Army PT test or, you know, other sprint paces, you're not thinking about a nine minute pace. But just like you said, like that's 90 seconds, two minutes or whatever off of my normal pace. It felt so incredible. So if you're out there doubting it, go with it. Try shaving it off a little bit. Uh, like like Zach said, and uh, man, that runner's high does feel a lot better when you when you slow down.
1: Yeah. And the other thing I'll say about it, too, is like, you know, the the coach standpoint on it and the certification, it really hammers home is like running is is super rewarding, valuable, fun, energizing right up until you get injured doing it. Right. And then if you spend a lot of time in the injury cycle of going on and off nine times out of 10 people who start running and end up with a pattern of injuries, they chalk it up. to oh, you know, running is not for me. I'm not built for running. Running is something that I I wanted to like, but uh, my knees are bad. Very seldom of the time that's the case is that you you literally are just genetically not fit for running. It's much more so the case that you're going out there, you're running too hard or too fast or too far too quickly. Um, you know, when I when I start with someone who hasn't run before from a coaching standpoint, they may come to me and say, Hey man, my friend signed up for this half marathon. I'm super jacked about this. I'm gonna do this half marathon. It's like, well, okay, hold on. That sounds great. You know, I want to make that happen for you. Let's talk about how we're gonna get there. You know, I truly believe you need to do an aerobic base building program with someone to get through the growing pains of your body, adjusting to the activity of running in any regularity for at least 500 miles. Um, so if you're you're someone who's not run at all, that 500 miles could take you all year and that's totally fine, that's great. But you might not be able to hit that race or you might have to walk portions of that race to just finish the distance. Um, and I think a lot of people come at it with this, like, if I just do it every day, I'm gonna get really good at it and I'm, I'm gonna be crushing this half marathon because it's four months away. Um, and I think running, work- requires a sort of patience and a kind of mindfulness that this has got to be a habit that's built as a lifestyle and has going to be around for a little while. If you're going to be doing it and staying injury-free, uh, because it is a, a very injury riddled sport because of that, that nature of it, it's very high impact. It's hard on your joints and it's going to break you down if you jump in too fast and too long.
0: So I think that brings up, f- not just that point, but you made a couple of points earlier that everyone needs to hear from every angle of coaching, whether it's running, CrossFit, nutrition, strength training, powerlifting, whatever it is, there's so much to that. And I'll bring up a couple of the key words that Zach had mentioned too, which would be, you know, periodizing, going, going slow to go fast, and then making sure that you're getting, putting on the mileage, right? Like obviously in this, this sport and running that's literally, but otherwise it's, you know, metaphorically or figuratively when you're talking about nutrition or training or whatever, but basically get the reps in and, so I really love that. And I also think it's interesting too to hear it measured by like actual mileage. And I, I like it a lot. So I want to use that also this as an opportunity too to transition into the nutrition side of things and anything that you have to share on your personal nutrition or what what maybe you go through as a coach, because I know that you're, you know, you're coaching them on running. Maybe it's more uh, programming and and technique, but yeah, I'd love to hear that. Yeah
1: yeah, absolutely. So I, I always lead it from the coaching standpoint of um I may personally have a lot of thoughts, opinions, feelings, habits in the nutrition space that are working for me. and that that's different than my coaching side, which in my, my coaching side, if if I have clients who come to me, um I'll have some guidelines and some things that I'll point to specific to running. But I always have to preface with like, I'm not a licensed nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. Um, if you have, if you have things that you have very specific questions on and you want someone to build you a specific nutrition plan, I'm not your guy. Um, you're going to want to go to a professional. I'll say the same thing for getting proper sleep and rest, right? Go to a sleep doctor, go to sleep scientists. who can actually take care of that physical therapist. I'm, I'm not that guy. Um, so I think as a coach, knowing the parameters and the scope of what you can give really solid advice on is super important. Um, because I certainly don't want to be misleading anyone off of what real experts who have paid the time, put in their, you know, paid their dues, put in the time to be amazing at being a nutrition coach. Um, I wouldn't tote myself as a nutrition coach. That being said, I think it's really important to study the science of nutrition as it applies to running, both in terms of when you're not running and also like how you prepare and and, you know, what you eat around a race or around a workout or even around a long run. I think building those kinds of habits are really important. And I see a lot of the posts and the things that you say a lot about food, and you're into the macros and you're really like hyper focused on that stuff. And that's something that, for me, a personal goal in due time, I'm not sure exactly when. That's something I'd love to get more involved in for my own performance and and to help others with. Um, but currently, at the moment, I'm somebody who's, you know, I'm going to try to cut out empty calories and sweets and, and things that don't have any kind of nutrient rich component to them that are going to benefit me in training. Um, I'm going to make sure that the portion sizes I'm having are appropriate for my goals. Uh, if someone wants to get really explosive and, and run like the best 400 meter, just one all out lap on the track, that's a very different nutrition profile than somebody who wants to become faster at the marathon, who wants to get really lean and be able to be efficient on longer runs and harder efforts at a longer distance. Um, so in, in that space, you know, without going too far into one component of nutrition, I think it's important to meet again, meet people where they're at. Um, I think nutrition is one that has really deep roots and ties in psychology for people too. So I try not to be too hard edge with someone about like, tell me exactly what you're eating right now so I can make a bunch of changes to it. Um, and that, if that's the way that's, if you're coaching from a nutrition coach standpoint or in the CrossFit space, if that's more regular to be that way because it means a big deal for your performance and how much lean mass you can put on and all that kind of stuff. It's hugely important. Um, but I, I try to kind of just give people general guidelines, put more colors on your plate. Like eat the rainbow, not Skittles, just eat the rainbow, a lot of <laughs> vegetables, get a lot of fruits, um, get high quality grains, like grab the whole wheat pasta box instead of the, you know, totally processed pasta. That's just going to be more empty carbs. Try to look into those things. One thing that I've based a lot of my own running nutrition on is I could spend the time to get really, really into the science of it and learn. Or I could take someone who's already done it, who's been at the highest elite levels and had the best nutrition coaches in the world, train them who have written great cookbooks and who have done things like that. So um, one I super, super recommend to everybody is uh, Run Fast, Eat Slow. And then the second version is Run Fast, Cook Fast, Eat Slow, both by Shalane Flanagan, who is an amazing uh, Nike sponsor runner Uh, She won the New York Marathon a while back, is an absolutely incredible, one of the fastest American women of all time at the marathon. Um, And she partnered up with Elise Copecki, who's a runner and a great uh, uh, cook. And so they made really like affordable, easy to make, not crazy ingredients, lots of color on your plate, with explanations of how it will benefit you in your run training, it's like 20 bucks on Amazon, run fast, eat slow, can't recommend that enough for people. And it's important in nutrition to me to do if you enjoy a certain food, a traditional food, something that you celebrate with, something that you enjoy on a Sunday night, that's okay, that's fine. But if you can go ahead and change one or two and then three and then maybe four of those dinners or lunches that you're having, you're grabbing quickly and get into more routines of cooking your own food. Um, and ideally out of something like a book like that, that's nutrient rich, you're just gonna start to slowly realize like, I feel really good after I eat this amazing kale radicchio salad, you know? Or <laughs> I feel really great after I have, these muffins that are actually made of zucchini, but they taste as good as, you know, unhealthy muffins, but I'm loving (laughs) healthy carbs. So I think being able to just replace some of those things, I I can make a batch of chocolate chip cookies that are super healthy, full of teff flour that actually are like awesome before the night before a long run, but they're as good as a double chocolate chip cookie that I would get at the grocery store, right? So I think those are the ways that people can get a little bit more focused on how can I make adjustments that aren't biting off is pun, I guess, but biting, <laughs> off, biting off more than I should chew all at once. Um, and that's an important thing. I think sometimes I make the mistake when I'm talking with friends, family, not even in the coaching space so much, but you know, someone you love who's just like, hey, man, I, I really want to like lose a little bit of weight. What do you think I should do? It, I have to be very careful around the psychology of if I give too many tips or advice introduce too many new variables into the situation, it might have a negative effect on how they actually view this space of trying to lose some weight, trying to get more serious about their goals, trying to better themselves in nutrition. Rather than that, could you substitute out uh, you know, some, some of this instead of that butter? Or could you do a little bit of that instead of that? Make slight adjustments to what you're doing and you'll realize that there's some nice benefits there um, just by slowly introducing variables and building different habits.
0: I love that. And even coming from more of the, the macro space, right? That's definitely a major part of how I coach my clients and making sure that they can see results. And the reason being is because usually like, let's just also put this out there. It's just like you said, you got to meet them where they're at. If you're not ready for macros, you might not go into macros, right? That said, it's just one of the most effective ways to get really, really specific. And usually someone that's going to come on for coaching is going to is going to be ready for the next level of that. So I love the examples that you provide too for anyone who does want to start seeing results. is like, you just got to start paying attention and finding out what those swaps are. And because the other thing too that I, I always notice about people who start making more food at home or, uh, you know, even making just some of those healthy swaps is that it just becomes more of a, something that they're passionate about. Like, I don't know about you, but anything that I make at home, if it's like a recipe that I made at home, I'm gonna take way more care of that than like, you know, the microwave meal that I got.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I'll say my fiance, Brittany, and I both kind of have found a passion in the last uh, four or five years, really since we moved from Madison. We broke in Madison. It was like, oh God, thank God I have some mac and cheese to make. But well, as soon as we got out here, it was a lot less takeout. It was a lot less. We, we really actually kind of just naturally cut fast food out. The area we lived in didn't have any fast food. It was like, if you were going to go out, you're going to pay for proper quality food at a nice restaurant or kind of not do it at all. Um And so we ended up making a lot of food at home, had to kind of learn how to cook and actually really cook. Um, and that's evolved into like probably getting more into it than i ever thought i would have gotten into it i spend a lot of my time my free time enjoying the process of shopping for cooking finding recipes you know getting the stuff getting home it's a ritual making a good meal um, and making enough for leftovers and and really fine-tuning like what stuff i can make just off the top of my head without having to look up the recipe again i find a ton of joy in like hosting people and making them really delicious food it's a nice component of life in my opinion but in the fitness regard of it, that can be a little bit of a different space. So I'll say Brittany does a macro thing and has done the macro thing in different blocks in the past, and we'll kind of pick it up and then not, and then pick it up. And when I watch her do it, I'm like, man, it's like having a scientist around. I'm just like, man. she's like punching in all these numbers. It's like, if there's a calculator involved with the diet, I'm just like, well, wow, by buy it. Um, where I'll admit sometimes in my own habits, it'll just be like, well, today's run's going to burn 2000 calories. So I'm gonna eat the whole frozen pizza, (laughs) you know, and that's, those are my macros right now, um, which I could be better about, right? But I think running is interesting because of the aerobic distances you're going, especially in the marathon training space. It is really important to make sure that you're not running a high deficiency. If your weight loss goal Um, is the main priority that you're doing this for not a race not for a specific performance but truly just because like I want to love my body more I want you to love your body no matter where you're at but if you want to love your body because you can fit into this or because you want to look like this or whatever your reason might be or you just genuinely know you got to lose a little bit of weight to feel better when you wake up each day I think that when you're able to kind of face that, see that, embrace that, that's a beautiful thing. And so if I can help you with the the nutrition part of it there to know like, okay, you want to run a caloric deficiency, but that's okay, but let's try and more so focus on a small deficiency, if any, and then the calories you're taking in, let's just make them better quality. Let's make sure that there's something that's going to like fuel your training because the time spent on your feet and the miles you will cover on this training plan are what will ultimately have you losing weight. Calories in and out are important, but I think sometimes the American diet craze. And that's not macros, by the way. I'm not commenting on anything. <laughs> really. You know what I mean, though? Actors yeah. diet, South Beach diet, blah, blah, blah. it's like the quick diet fix. I don't want to put in real hard work. I just want to have a diet that will fix this for me kind of thing. I really try to stay away from that space um, and just tell people, look, like if you, if you follow this plan and get these miles in, you will find the results you're looking for. You know, And that's the beautiful part about coaching with something like Strava, big on transparency and accountability. I would do a weekly check-in with an athlete, and if I see they've missed half their workouts, we're gonna spend the check-in kind of talking through that why that might be. Because if I can see them actually committing to as much of the workouts as I, I hope them to over time, they're gonna see the results in running. You, you can't run a bunch of miles and not see physical changes. It's it's kind of. Going to happen, even if I hate to say it, but people who I know who are extremely fit and fantastic, a lot of them eat like crap, they eat whatever they want, but they're just an engine, they're burning up anything that they put in on long miles, so it ends up you know staying lean. Um, which I don't advocate for as a coach, I don't think that you know, but it is the case with running a lot of times. You put miles in, you're gonna get lean, it's just gonna happen if you can commit to it for years.
0: Yeah, I think I think you bring up a, a couple of really good points in there, too. Is like one going back to an earlier point you made in terms of like loving your body and and that, I think the important distinction there is accepting where you're at and then loving the journey to get to your goal body. Right. And I think that that's so huge is like, it's possible to accept where you're at, but not be in love with exactly where you're at, but you accept it and you're ready to do the work.
1: Absolutely. It's a really important part of the psychology of any any kind of training you're doing, whether it's something related to weightlifting, swimming, biking, you know, running, whatever it is. I think that the fact that you're willing to go and use the body you have, that's the biggest win. If you're somebody who's willing to just say, all right, I'm tired of sitting around. I wanna go out and do something that I feel good about today. That step right there, if you just start embracing that moment, that feeling more often, you're gonna to start to see things that you like in your body. Um, and my hope always is that people, I'm somebody who's really like, I never want to body shame anybody. I never want anybody to feel bad about the skin they're in. I don't want anybody to have those feelings. Um, I do want people to understand the difference between loving your body and being healthy too. I want people to understand that, you know, these bodies that we have, these are on rent. You know, we don't take these with us and we have a back half of our lives. Most of us are going to be going, did I spend the time thinking about my health and doing things to be involved in my health or did I not? And I think that right now is always the right time to start. You know, the best time to start is right now if you if you have the ability to and access to get a pair of shoes on and go out for a walk today go do that um, because you're, you're gonna be better for it. But at the same time, you know, runners and running. There's a lot of I, I sometimes can hear and feel auxiliary kind of negativity sometimes around things like CrossFit running things that are intensive and hard to do um, about people who are just so like is so into that or so extreme about that. Um, when in reality, it's just people who get a little hooked on that feeling and they realize like, oh, I'm in control. I get to, I can choose what I want to look like or how I want to be. If there's a system to this, no matter what your goals are, you can, and that's fun. It's fun to get in that space. Um, but to invite everybody that, that is not into it right now, that you, you can, to whatever degree you want to, it's just going to make you learn to love yourself more than you did. Um, and that, that's, that's really for me, like the light bulb moment that I get most joy out of in coaching is someone coming back and being enthused about checking a box on a workout about hitting the race time. They wanted about dropping weight that they wanted to, or looking better, feeling better, even just the energy change, your body might look and look at the same your scale might say the same thing, but your composition's changing. Your hormones are changing the way you feel every day. The way you're sleeping at night's changing. Um, those are the things that I get the biggest rush off of coaching. It's just the energy you get from someone who jumps on a call and it's like, dude, I was awesome this week. You know, that's, that's where the spark's at.
0: That's awesome, man! I can truly tell how how passionate you are about it too, and I love that the vision that you that you create. And if you're listening now, I hope that you felt it too, because um, Zach comes at it with like a really, really, I would call it like holistic but wholesome. And that's really, you know, like what that that body capability. I think that's the best way to sum it up, sum it up. And as much as it might sound like that's only a physical thing, like that includes your mind too, right? Because uh, everything that you've shared so far has just been, you know, that really a mind body connection and and the capabilities of both. So I love that.
1: Yeah. That, if you mind, if I could touch on that for just a second, um, Please. I, my immediate family, my siblings, some people that I'm very close with, sometimes they'll kind of give me shit. They'll, they'll elbow me a little over it being like, Oh, you're always, you sound like such a cliche. You're always being as big. Like, you know, you can do anything you put your mind to and all, you know, which I get, I totally hear myself saying stuff and, and feeling that way, and I'm, I'm comfortable with laughing at it and stuff like that too. However, I do really think like there's a there's a great uh, Nike ad campaign from a while back that it's only it's just a crazy dream until you do it. Like uh, you can do things that you don't think you can do. The my favorite runner is Elliot Kipchoge. He's the fastest marathoner of all time. Probably will stand for a long time. He just broke the. Two-hour barrier in the marathon, which is like 4:30 something a mile for 26 miles. A ridiculous athlete, um, and his whole mantra is that no human is limited. That no matter who you are—a little girl, a little boy, someone who's old, someone who's very overweight, someone who's all these, whatever shape, size, walk of life you are—no one's limited, and you're able to do these things if you set your mind to it and you are willing to put in the time to build habits and realize it's a baby step activity. You're going to get to where you want to be. It's going to take time. Anybody is willing to put that in, dreams are within reach in this space um my favorite thing about running is the accessibility if you have access to a road a trail an outdoor space a treadmill um, and a pair of shoes you can go and do this there's no expensive memberships there's no you don't have to spend any more money on it you can really just get out there and just start moving um so i'll, I'll jump off of speaking in big attitudes <laughs> you know but my the, the brand i kind of created for my coaching at when i knew i wanted to be a coach and i was got the certification. I spent like a probably nine months just thinking about what is it really for running that, that is my why that's why I want to do it. Um, what I want to run for, what I want to coach for, and I'll share is really the the mind body connection that you just touched on. One of my favorite podcasts is the Rich Roll podcast and Rich Roll is a ultra marathoner and endurance athlete, triathlete. Who's awesome. Um, and he talks about this a lot too, but your mind, body connection, mindfulness tied to endurance activities, uh, to other activities, to anaerobic activities, CrossFit and other things. When you have that ability to become so in tune with your body, for me, that happens in the flow state. When I'm playing guitar and I'm, I'm just like, not thinking about where this riff's going, you hit a flow state where you don't have to think about what you're doing next, it just starts to happen. Your body just starts to kind of take over and you're in that state of flow. Your, your like mind is literally, your neurons are firing all over the place in a different way than they do otherwise. Um, and that's proven to happen in running. If you can get yourself in a space where you've run enough miles, you've put enough aerobic time in. You are craving that feeling every day. It's like a drug. If I can't go out right now. I'm actually dealing with a knee injury and I've been out of running for uh, just about a, actually a month today. Um, it's been tough and I've been doing a lot of strength training and other work to get myself into that same place because it's the the mind body connection of realizing you have this ability like meditation to pull yourself into a mindfulness and awareness to be in tune, breath work, all that stuff that you mentioned too, um, that's where the magic's at. Like that's where the addictiveness of physical activity comes in. And like, what a joy, like what a cool thing that we can do. You know, it's it's something that I feel a lot of times that I'm not trying to be negative about society, We have a lot of distractions we have a lot of glowing rectangles we spend a lot of time on we're always inundated with like information overload all the time so to have a moment in your day where you can shut all that out and just really be mindful and then if you can you know double down on a win and be mindful and be helping your body out it's just like what a cool thing so that's that's kind of where my ethos comes from and what i want to train people on is Yeah, you want to run this marathon that's awesome but if i can get you to a space where you're like loving running just for running not for sharing it on social media not for saying i've run 26 miles not any of that kind of thing if it's literally just you loving running because you love running that's it that's that's what i like doing it for
0: that's awesome and i don't think anyone's gonna walk away from this episode and not feel inspired whether it's you know running or whatever it is because uh you know the truth is that there is so much more accessible to us, even, even than we maybe even believe. But uh, true form, right? Like the running, walking, getting outside, uh, nature, all of those, all those things—they all matter and they all help in that connectedness. So um, I love it, man, and I appreciate you sharing. I, I like it. You know, you can you can come on here. You can share all the platitudes. You know, you can get up there, <laughs> soapbox a little bit. It's all good. It's all we'll good. It. We'll,
1: we'll go get on top of a mountain in Arizona, and I'll, uh, yeah, and we'll get into it.
0: Yes. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, awesome, Zach. Like I said, I don't think anyone is gonna is gonna walk away from this episode not having learned something either about running or you know their own capabilities and really just understanding what you know, their their own self confidence and self belief. Before, um, before we, we take off, I always want to ask a question. And since you're big on travel, we didn't even get to touch on the dogs and guitars. Cause you know, if you're, if you're listening right now, I'm, I'm talking with Zach over zoom and I see these beautiful guitars in the background. It'll be another topic for sure. But Absolutely. I want to hear, hear a little bit on the travel. Obviously we're a little restricted right now. What's something that's on your list next place you want to visit?
1: Oh man, that's a great question. Um, You know we've done a lot of local stuff and i'm just itching to get back to that that international space or you know getting getting across an ocean i want to see and feel something that i've never had anything similar to before i'm really itching for kind of that big travel moment Um, and it's been a while since we've had that I, i love getting uncomfortable on a trip i want to get to a place where i'm a little lost a little confused have to learn stuff to get by um, and that, that's what excites me about it. So it's been a minute, um, but actually, so Brittany and I are, are planning, our, our wedding was supposed to be last June, and COVID pushed it a whole year. So uh, we're getting married this summer. So that obviously gives us that great play the honeymoon card on travel. And I think for us right now, it's a, there's a couple competing trips. Um, we talk about doing like a longer stay in Southeast Asia and bouncing around Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, Um, And there's also the trip to Australia and New Zealand um, and doing that and just kind of seeing that corner of the world. Um, I have an uncle who lives in Japan, Tokyo, and I would love to go see Japan. I think that would be so cool to do as a winter trip, go up to Hokkaido, do some snowboarding and skiing and that. Um, So those are kind of the ones I think that are like the big picture ones. We still haven't done a proper Western Europe trip either though. So if the opportunity is available for us to go and do something like that take trains around to different countries and see that, you know, the amount of culture you can get in in a geographic size, similar to half of the U S even, um, that's pretty awesome. So, but yeah, so for work though, I travel a lot too. So as soon as, as soon as this COVID and the restrictions around it are looking better. And as soon as we're kind of back, um, I had a trip last year to South Africa for work that got canceled and a couple others. <sighs> so it's cool with the work that I have to not know exactly where that dart's going to hit the map next. So it'll be interesting to see if that hits first or if the honeymoon hits first, but I have good feelings that by the end of 21, we'll have a good, you know, grasp on what's next.
0: Awesome, man. That sounds exciting. South Africa, all, literally all of them, they're, they're all on our list too. So I love that, man. Um, awesome. Last thing I just want to make sure to, uh, first, thank you. I think, uh, I think it was truly amazing having you on. Uh, if Thank people you. want to find find you, uh, learn a little bit more about you or your coaching, where can they find you? Yeah, you're
1: great question. Um, you can reach out. Um, the best way actually to get involved your interest in the coaching thing, uh, Flow State Running is my brand, F-L-O-W, but flowstaterun.com um, is my coaching site. There's a great introductory survey on there. If you kind of like the cut of my jib and you like the way that site is kind of structured and it looks like something that's interesting to you, um, fill that survey out and I'll reach out. We'll start a conversation. Um, and it's usually pretty natural, as this conversation is, to just get to know you, your goals, what's up, um, what you're looking for, and, and move from there. Um, otherwise, you can always reach out by uh, run at gmail.com, too. Either one of those work.
0: Right on. Go check him out, guys. He's got plenty to offer for you in the running world and, of course, the mind body capability. I love it. So awesome. Thanks for coming on, Zach. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. I just want to say thank you for listening to the show. I truly appreciate it. If you have any training or nutrition questions you want answered, I personally invite you to message me at Joe Mike Paul on Instagram. And if you took something valuable away from today's episode, screenshot it, share it, and tag me so I can see. That's all for now. See you next time.